The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Oh, how good does it feel to have a 25-point home win? It feels great, Keith Brake. Jay yeah, Sandoz with you. Does. Let's talk about it. No, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's just jump. Largest Division yeah, just jump One right win versus Wofford. Ooh. Not the largest win ever. They had a 29-point win, but that was when they were Division Two back in 93-94. No. Oh. It uh, to say it came out of not to say tissues win came out of nowhere, but the twenty five point beatdown and only holding Wofford to fifty two points was a bit shocking to say the least, especially after Wofford and had been rocking and rolling. Three of twenty one from three and three of ten from the free throw line. They didn't take a free throw. They didn't take a free throw in, in the entire first half, and they didn't make one until 27 minutes and 45 seconds into the game. Well, I would make fun of that, except ETSU hit their first free throw 15 seconds before that. Uh, that's fair. But I actually made a comment when both teams were 0 of 3 with 12 minutes. 12 Actually, it was at the 13-minute mark. They were mm-hmm. both 0 for 3 from the free throw line. That this could be the first major college basketball game in the modern era to not have a made free throw. Both teams. <laughs> Could have been. Yeah, it was close. That being said, uh, they were not aggressive, Wofford. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know they watched tape on Chattanooga and tried to defend ETSU the way Chattanooga did, but it wasn't working. Yes. And, and they refused uh, to get out of it. They were really – like their zone was really bad at finding and identifying and closing out Jalen Haynes and not letting him catch the ball. Like you can't let Jalen Haynes catch – the ball. Once he catches it, you are lost. It is over. It is done. You are up a creek, and a gator just ate your paddle. I mean, that you're you're in trouble if Haynes catches the ball. And they tried to front him early, and it didn't work. They got a couple foul calls. Um, then they stopped doing that, and Haynes just destroyed them uh, on the interior. And even had a little bit of face up set shot action going on. 10 of 11, third best single game field goal percentage with 10 or more attempts in school history. He had the record for uh, until like until there was like two and a half minutes left in the game. He had the record and then he missed his last shot and that cost him the first uh, perfect field goal percentage above 10 attempts in school history. And he was spectacular. Uh, Jamarius Harrison was really good. Gave him four made threes. If the Bucs make nine, nine threes against UNC Greensboro, for instance, they're going to win that game. But uh, it's just been really difficult to do that against UNC, UNCG. Uh, Jordan King was really good. The mid-range game was working super well for him, and everything seemed to come together off of that. And how about Alan Struthers? I, I, the scoring hasn't been there the way we'd like it to be for a point guard, but five assists, one turnover in 35 minutes, and really, really active on defense. You know, he was, uh, I mean, Jackson Pavletsky could probably tell you what brand of gum Alan Struthers was chewing. It's just all over him defensively. Bruce Tranbarger on the broadcast last night said Pavletsky might wake up in the morning and see Struthers waiting to follow him to class. I, it was that kind of defensive effort from the redshirt freshman guard. 
Uh, I just thought ETSU was better defensively in transition. Uh, they were better offensively in general, and that led to a very solid home result for the first time in a long time. ETSU went, I don't even know how many days it was. Their last home win was November 30th. So they went 62 days. Is it 62? Saturday was 59. I had Saturday's count. You had Saturday. So, because November 30th, there is no November 31st. You're doing a lot of math now. So it's 31 days of December. And 31 days of January because they won on the 1st of February. So 62 so plus 62, one. if you want to count the days that the, they actually won the games, then be 64. So, yeah, but you shouldn't book in. So we'll say 62. Sounds 62 better. 60, days. I, I want to say 62 instead of 64. Uh, well, I don't blame can I you. Do that? I don't blame you one All right. I like, I like that you allow me to do that. 62 um, days between also, home also, wins. Total, total sidebar, and we'll get right back into this. Do you like that I found out that um, – I'm muting uh, today when I cough the right mic instead of muting. Yes, the mic I do appreciate and coughing, that. And then... I noticed that and I didn't say anything, so I guess it's kind of like we're... half a turnover on. Yeah, me. Well, yeah, that's a word different. I would be like, "Hey, guy, like uh, you muted the wrong one." Uh, well, I, I didn't. I, I didn't want to do that because I don't yeah. trust myself not to just like swear like a sailor because I, my, I cut my teeth in this industry around um, an Iraq vet, ex Navy, and a Marine dad. So and ex Air Force. That's right. You almost left Dallas. Out. Yeah. So, so yeah. The, the cursing is part of the deal. But uh, the other thing is, is uh, I, I guess that's where we differ. Uh, I, I think I would after the third one, I would have just stopped my son. Hey, guy, you're muting the wrong one. <laughs> oh, okay. No. But uh, I was listening back at it, and I was like, I could have swore I was muting my mic, and then uh, no, I finally noticed uh, that I was uh, muting your mic so everyone could hear me cough. Uh, Correct. By the way, I sound awesome today. I don't know what uh, it's going on with my voice, but. Uh, I think I should do all broadcasts like that. What do you think? I think you're you're creepy, slowly creepy turning into Zap Brannigan. Um. Oh my God. I, yeah. Kiff. I here's what I I'm more baffled about Wofford refusing to acknowledge because it's not just Jalen Haynes. At one time it was ten of ten. By the way, the other post players were also very good. <laughs> Brock Jancic was four of four. Yep. Seymour was three of three. Yep. All seven of those <laughs> shots were in the paint. Yep. They were. 17 of 17 at one point, and they were not switching the defense. They, they, high water or not, they were going to put point guards on the switch against the big men and just don't care. Mm-hmm. And I was very uh, confused by that. The other thing I want to give ETSU credit for, and, and some of it I, you know, probably just missed shots by Wofford, but some of it I think is defensive pressure and the fact that Alan Strellers was able to jump and close out on Pavletsky a lot was you're talking about seven for 52. In two games from three by the Terriers. And that's if they're only hitting seven threes in a game, it may not be a good sign. If they're hitting seven threes over a span of two games, that's not exactly where they want to be. Mm-hmm. Whatever ne- uh, reason, that has been the kryptonite uh, for Wofford is ETSU's Oof. perimeter defense. Yeah. Um, and some of it, again, the, it's not like I, I don't know they missed a few open shots. I mean, you play a whole game, you're going to get clean looks at some point. And they're just not going to go, yeah. But they just just didn't get it to go down. Yeah, sometimes they go and sometimes they don't. We talked about the first go-around. De'Anthony Tipler had four triples. Who was going to step up to kind of take those points? And, you know, I guess Harrison heard me because Jamarius came in there and hit four triples, exactly, had 12 points. And he has no hesitation on the catch-and-shoot. And I really think that is something that has – um, 
kind of helped open up the three-point shot for the Bucks a little bit more is just somebody that has no hesitation, they have a ton of confidence, but also a player that you can rely on to knock down catch-and-shoot threes. Jordan King can be that guy, but King also is really good and, and I think kind of wants and expects the ball in his hand. So he's bringing it up the floor. We can't really catch and shoot if you've already got the basketball. So having somebody else that he can pass to that can confidently knock down those shots allows ETSU to move guys around at the point. That allows you to get the most out of Alan Struthers as well, especially with his defensive presence. I, I think Hairston being the catch and shoot guy that this team maybe needed all season long has helped ETSU offensively and will help ETSU offensively and just everything fell into place for the Bucks last night in that respect. And it, it was fun. It was fun to see the guys be able to smile. It was fun to hear the hometown crowd. And I love that after ETSU had a couple of shot clock, uh, shot clock violations that the band – uh, and the fans joined in on the countdown of the shotgun. I've not heard that. Uh, I mean, I've heard, you know, the bench yell it or whatever. I've not heard the entire arena try to help its team out. And that's going to lead to something else. Three shot clock violations, and I want to harp on that, but that's three team turnovers. Yeah. They had five other turnovers, just eight turnovers. Nobody had two turnovers. Yep. Uh, it was an incredible display on all facets of the game. Uh, you know, other than maybe some free throw shooting that's still a, a bit of a bugaboo. Mm -hmm. it, it's hard to find anything really critical of the game. It was just a dominant performance that the Buck faithful have been wanting to see at home, and they finally got it. I agree. I agree with everything you said. I mean, we, I don't know. I, we don't, we don't want, want to gild the lily here. It also, though, is nice to have a home win to talk about. We haven't had one of those in a while, and we haven't had one of those in SoCon play yet. So uh, it, the question, I think, now is – what does ETSU do with this? There's a lot of energy. There's a positive response. They've seen shots go in. Haynes has been fantastic. He's got 20-plus in three of his last four. Seymour's been really good. King and Hairston seem to be working really well in the backcourt. Though they do still sometimes fight each other for rebounds, which is um, which is entertaining. Um, you know, both guys want the basketball. Uh, don't blame them one bit. That's you know that's going to lead to good things down the road and. I think now is kind of down the road. Like the future kind of is now for this ETSU team. You've got what seven games left before the conference tournament. What do you do with the momentum that you've built from winning a home game and doing it in dominant fashion and really just hammering a team wire to wire on your home floor for the first time in conference play? What does that do for you? We'll find out in about 48 hours when they tip it up with the Bulldogs. Yep, and speaking of the Bulldogs, that'll be coming up Saturday. They had a big win uh, over Western Carolina, and it was a dogfight, no uh, no mm -hmm. pun intended to the Bulldogs, but they were able to um, take what was a one-point lead and score basically the last six, seven points and hang on to an 85-77 win. So they finally get a win with Quest Glover in the lineup. Next opponent, ETSU, 3 o'clock uh, excuse me, 3 o'clock Eastern, 2.30 pregame show oh. on Saturday. All right, you want to talk more basketball? Are you ready to talk more basketball? Would, Are you feeling like, good you're, about you're, talking more basketball? Because we're going to talk more basketball right now. 
I like it. Yeah. yeah, let's talk a little women's hoops. They got a big game coming up against Chattanooga. And for ETSU, they start the back half mm-hmm. of the stretch. Three most mm-hmm. important games, maybe because they're the three next games, but they're also the three teams that knocked off ETSU, Keith. And, you know, ETSU, I think – uh, and we're going to hear from Nave Brown in just a few minutes. She's mm-hmm. going to be our special guest. But we're going to ask her about that. You know, what, what was the difference? And so, because um, I don't really know. So, I figure, you know, why not ask uh, one of the team's leading players and the captain what she thinks. And we'll hear from that. But whatever has changed in the last four games uh, since Rufus Milner has left with an injury, her being Coach Rufus Milner and the team <laughs> being asked to do different roles and maybe adjusting a few things here and there, it has worked four in a row all by double figures. Coach J- Coach JJ with the halftime speeches has been uh, has been really something. Uh, I've heard about that from more than one person, including Giselle Thomas. Uh, and uh, Giselle, I talked to her yesterday. She said the team is really looking forward to these three games. Like, it's not – Something that they look at and say, oh, man, now we've got all this momentum. Now we have to go play the three teams that we lost to. Oh, no. What do we do? Um, some of the players are referring to this as the revenge tour. They say we're going on tour uh, to go to Chattanooga, to go to Sanford, to go to Mercer. They go into these games believing that they can win. And, and I don't think there's any team out of their reach right now. If they play the way they played the last four games, I think all of these games are very winnable. And, and Chattanooga might be the most winnable because that team just uh, blew a wheel and scored 48 against Western Carolina uh, in a loss to the Catamounts, a team that ETSU beat by 31. I. That's the, you know, there's been, I thought Western's win at home against Wofford was maybe going to be the one. And just like I keep talking about VMI on the men's side, I think it's going to get one. And somebody's going to go, what? Who? Or look at you the way I did whenever you told me Western had won. Well, no, you, you looked at me with uh, with a combination of shock and joy. Well, that's fair. They may not look <laughs> at you that way. But, but uh the, I mean, Western's two wins are, are, I mean, solid. I mean, knock off yeah. Wofford, who's five and two, and Chattanooga right there at four and three. So, two and five. They can't beat anybody else, but they, they've had two good wins. In the standings, I mean, it is a, a jumble mix of things. You know, two teams with two losses in Wofford and Sanford. Then you've got ETSU Mercer, uh, yeah, ETSU Mercer Chad at four and three. UNCG's really not out of it at three and four. I mean, just two games back, there's seven to go. And the way this league is, I. And they've got some wins that are like, okay, I'll see UNCG. And then they've got a couple of losses. Like, I don't know about that. And then Western 2-5, and five, and I don't know what to make of Furman. Now, I think they'll make a second-half run because that's what Jackie Carson does. I don't, if, if, if Furman went 6-1, and one, and I don't think they will, but if they go 6-1 in the second not. half of the year, that's the most Jackie Carson thing that could happen because mm-hmm. they always – Almost always end up at seven and seven. I'll say this: I, I thought Furman was a reasonably well coached team. You know, Jackie doing a good, a good job with job. that. And um, I think they're missing two things. The, well, I, I think they're missing uh, talent and talent. Honestly, Sidney James very good. The rest of the team kind of is well. I lost the player of the year. Yes, who who, who, who led the nation in double doubles and mm-hmm. uh, Tierra Hodges, and then I think Walters, the point guard's out for the year as Achilles well. Achilles preseason. So, so yep. They, one, they weren't going to have anyways because of graduation. The other, they were going to have. And I think those two key pieces mm-hmm. are just right now too much to overcome for Furman. Yeah, I mean, in our in-person viewing, you know, I wasn't super impressed by their depth. Um, Van Rye had a really tough time against Ja'Kiah Davis. Jabo got four steals in that game uh, and just really seemed to anticipate where the ball was going on the bounce pass. And they were trying to bounce it into Van Rye and – J-Bo would just undercut her for the the steal. And it's like she was trying to catch it, you know, chest high at the letters. And J-Bo was 
reaching in there down about waist high and just snagged the ball away. Just There wasn't a lot of fight to it necessarily. Just quick, clean, thank you very much. And, um, you know, maybe some of, you know, ETSU's quality is altering percent. But I just thought Furman, I, I thought Furman and Wofford were interesting inversions of each other. I thought Furman was a really well-coached team that didn't have the talent it needed to make good on the system that it had. And I thought Wofford was a team that had a ton of talent that just didn't really seem to have a structure at all. And Wofford, obviously, I mean, you know, the talent is winning them some games. I mean, you, got- you know, it's, it's, it's the, what is it? What is the saying? It's the Jimmy's and Joe's, right? right. Versus the X's and O's Correct. Um, for, for Wofford where they're five and two. And their losses to ETSU in Western Carolina, they looked really bad. I mean, Wofford's got three pretty good scoring uh, options, and mm-hmm. if all of them are, are hitting, or two of the three are hitting on a day, they got a great shot to win. The problem is, in the couple losses, you know, two of the three have not scored. Yeah. And, and, that's, and then that's defensively, really ETSU was able to get to the rim, kind of like they were against UNCG, right? Like the, the, the straight line drives were there all afternoon. So. Um, you know, nobody in this league, I think, is is really trustworthy. If there's a trustworthy team, it might be Wa- or it might be Sanford. Um, and right now, I feel like ETSU is a trustworthy team. We'll certainly know more about the Bucks. Like this is going to define how we perceive the Bucks in the home stretch of the season. If they go on the road and they win two of these three, or they win all three, I, I think you have to look at ETSU as a serious contender in Asheville. If they win one of the three or none of the three, then you're thinking. Well, okay. Clearly, it's a you know it's a team that that plays hard, but a team that has limitations. I think we're gonna get a really good sense of the ceiling that the Bucks have, and you know, call me crazy. I think that ceiling's pretty high yeah, for the CTSU. I, and I think since those three games, the, the turnover margins all gone down. Uh, you know, weren't very good against Chad. And they had like eight against Wofford, and they continue to trim it down. They've had single digit turnovers like six of the last seven games or something. Yeah. Missed shots against chat. They just didn't have enough shots. Right. I mean, that exactly. was really yeah. that. Um, Sanford, I think the second half after the injuries happened, I think there was an emotional, just tough day. Mercer, I felt like, just out-athleted ETSU, to be quite frank about it. I, I think just the athleticism of Mercer gave ETSU some fits. So I'm curious to see Brendan Mock Brown, what are they going to do? Well, chat, they need to hit shots so mm-hmm. they can hit shots. Then – you know, Sanford, there were some emotional things that they were playing well into the double injury, and then things went south. We'll see if that changes. And then for Mercer, what adjustments do you do in the game to help your team out? Uh, I was I misspoke. It's uh, two of the last three games the Bucks have single-digit turnovers, and um, they have not hit 15 turnovers. If they want to keep it under 15, they have been under that benchmark in 10 consecutive games. So look at the schedule here real quick. Uh, Mercer uh, is going to play on the road Western Carolina on Thursday, then Saturday at UNCG. Sanford will do the flip. They'll play UNCG Thursday, then Saturday. The two travel partner games will be ETSU at Chat, Wofford at Furman. Mm-hmm. A chance for Mercer and Sanford to try to kind of keep pace with everybody and get a couple wins. The problem is they're on the road. I I think it, it's hard because on, without Neil Tyser, I mean, you could see UNCG yeah. giving them a little bit of fits. Uh, you honestly, I don't know. I really have no idea what to think about Western because um, they could lose by 30 the first game and apparently come back and win. Uh, so I have no idea. Uh, for Sanford, I think for them, uh, you know, these are good matchups, I think, for their personnel, UNCG and Western. I, if I had to guess, I would say Sanford probably 2-0. and I could see Mercer actually going one-on-one in this road swing. 
And then if Furman's going to do anything, it's going to be against the arch rivals and it's going to be at home. If Furman gets beat in that one, then this is just going to be a, a, an uncharted territory, really, for Jackie Carson. She's not really had a – I'm at the bottom of the league here. I, I don't – at least I can't recall. And if it's happened, maybe it happened when ETSU was back in the A-Sun, and I, I don't remember that. Um, but it would be interesting to see, you know, what ETSU is going to do. Can Wofford, you know, continue to stay hot – went on the road at their arch rival Furman, and then can Sanford Mercer kind of keep pace with a couple road games in which, in theory, you would say they would probably be the the favorites uh, going into that. Now, that's all the Southern Conference women's action this week. You know, no ETSU mm-hmm. women's broadcast of chat. Unfortunately, it's the same time that we have the, the men's games. You just have to watch on Live Stats or ESPN Plus, listen to the radio mm-hmm. for the men's game on Saturday. But this was not the biggest news going on in the Southern Conference yesterday. No, it was not. Do you do you want a fire breaking news? I think we can. I think we could justify that. Do you have it? There it is. I forgot which button it was. The biggest stories, the hard hitting details, the in depth investigative reporting you've been craving, all can be found at ESPN, The Athletic, and the Associated Press. Now here's someone not named Adrian Wojnarowski, Ian Rapoport, or Bruce Feldman. His name is Keith Bray. Breaking news with Keith Brink. Yes. Breaking news. Breaking ah, break. Ah, ah, waka, waka. Anyway. I got that reference. The commissioner of the Southern Conference, Jim Schaus, yeah, is retiring at the end of the academic year, June 30th. Uh, this is his what, third season as the commissioner of the Southern Conference, and uh, he is stepping down. Uh, after a very long athletic administrative career that included stops at Wichita State, where he oversaw the construction of Coke Arena, and that team went to the Sweet 16. He went to Ohio University, and he got the Bobcats uh, a program built up to a place where they were able to have success and went to a Sweet 16 under, I believe it was Jim Christian, I think it was, who went to Boston College. And now, of course, has come to the SoCon. And his objective, I think, was to grow the brand of SoCon men's basketball specifically. And if that was the objective, I think the objective has been achieved. I think SoCon men's basketball has a better television platform than it did when he got here uh, to succeed John Imarino. And overall, I think he has left the SOCON, at least in certain key respects, the reasons he was brought in, he has left the SOCON better than he found it. So I'm going to do an exercise Monday mm-hmm. where I'm going to go ahead and, and lay out, uh, I don't know if you're going to co-sign this on the Jay and Keith top candidates uh, to be commissioner, uh, but I, I am going to give my list um, and it'll be a typical Jay list. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there will be uh, some candidates I think that'll be strong. There'll be some that uh, outside shots, and then there'll be some that um, we'll see what you think about them. Let's just, just I'll just leave it at that. It's uh, if people people have heard my list before. I don't know how much mm-hmm. Keith. I'm sure you're a loyal listener of the the other podcast I had where where we would do this on an occasion. But I think there's some names out there. I think the the other thing I want to I would touch on. I want to do it Monday because I think it deserves more time, and I just don't have enough time to research all this today. Things that Jay, and again, if you want to co-sign, we can come up with some stuff for you as well. Things I would like to see the new commissioner do for the SOCON. Oh, 100%. Okay. I'll 100% co-sign that So we're going to do that Monday. I'm going to give you my – 
who I think uh, should should be the the top. I don't want to eight, ten, I don't know, seven, whatever I come up with. The top contenders I think mm-hmm. that should be considered to be the commissioner of the Southern Conference. Then I'm going to give things that I think are the top. I don't know, three, four. You know, if you come up, and we may, uh, you know, we may. I don't know if we'll talk about it because I think we probably should because some of ours I think will match up. Um, so we can come up and figure out how we're going to come up with that. But things that we think the Southern Conference, or we would want the new commissioner to do. Is that, that cool with you? That sounds like a fun show. Yeah, I think that'd be a great show. All right, so we're going to do that. You know what sounds like fun? Um, well, the other thing that we're going to do on Monday. Isn't there another thing we're going to do on Monday? Ooh, yeah. So I can tease that, right? Or am I allowed to tease that or am I allowed to say who? No. Uh, well, we've already talked about him. And okay. that's part of the reason that like, he wanted to come on the pod because we've already talked about it. We name-checked him and he was like, man... Where 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 is it? Where is where's my airtime? He wanted airtime, so we're gonna give him airtime. I mean, I'll just say this: <laughs> the 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 warm embrace I got at halftime of the men's game last night, ETSU big win over Wofford mm-hmm. from Will Huzzy, of like a long lost friend, like dude, you know, and a, a, who's you know, he? The, the the man, the man, who's he? Who's he? Who's he? Who's he? Who's he? Who's he? Well, don't worry, I'm gonna ask him that. Um, so when we get uh, sort of, sort of, you know, the 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 man bro hug in, and we're talking, he's like, "Ah, oh, man, good to see you, that another." And then it quickly turned to, "I can't believe that I am the reason Ty came back. I was the first to come back. Then and I Ty get, was T-Y, the first one on the then podcast. Then I get Rydell to agree to come back, and then I told Tyler, I, I kind of want to let everybody know I'm back, but I'm not sure how to do it. And then Tyler looks at me, and goes, "Um, yeah." So so what 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 happened was I had already told people on the podcast you're coming back and he's like I, I'm, I'm like I mean and I said and I said Will I said I thought I saw you walking across campus cuz I haven't seen him in the dome and I said I almost yelled because I wanted to you know just hey catch up with you and then I was going to ask you the same thing I was going to ask Tyler because I didn't see that you had like landed or at least if you had you hadn't told anybody and I didn't know maybe he was going to finish the degree and then go which is an option for some people because that's what Rodell was going to do was finish mm-hmm. his degree and then go to a new school. So he was like, no, no, I was back. And I was like, okay. I said, equal time. We'll come on Monday. I said, I realize people know, but you can give us the story yes. on your thought process going in, what all went into it, why ultimately you decided to, to come back. And I think, and I'll give you the, the time to do it. But to say that he was upset because he, uh, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but basically he, he felt like, or at least I feel like he felt like he lost his thunder. He did, and that he should have the thunder because he was the reason why Tyler Rydell <laughs> and he did the recruiting to get a Rydell. And in the quarter, and that cousin comes Tyler in and takes it from the beans. Him, right? Yeah. So yes, um, we will we will have. So this could be a great Monday show. We'll talk a little hoop it's be because awesome it's hoop Monday season. But we will spend time with Will Huzzy. We will spend time talking about the commissioner of that. We are still going to talk George Corals, but we're gonna we're gonna hold off on that because we we got to get our women's mm-hmm. basketball. Uh, segment and player in Nevae Brown. So we're going to talk to her in just a second, but we're going to talk uh, Coach Nate. So again, branching out here, it's a little all over the place. Uh, yeah, but we got a little but, bit of everything. That, that, that's the whole point. Like, if you're only interested in men's basketball, you can listen to that. If you want to hear women's basketball, you can listen to that. If you're you can listen to some football stuff, we got that. If you love all the ETSU sports, we'll get that. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are going to dive into softball and baseball. Yep. And we get some tennis and golf as we get a little further. I mean, hearing about a five-week period, depending on how the basketballs fare, we will be very heavy in uh, spring sports, including spring football and some other things, and basketball recruiting, right? we got to get into that as well. And portal watch will happen in basketball like it does in everywhere no else. Doubt. Eight to eight, no so. doubt. It, it will. It All right. Will. She's waited patiently. 
November. Gotta give it that whole extra. Does it? It's not a measure. It's four measures. The extra four, eight, whatever, eight counts to let the beat drop. I'm just, I'm trying to do musical theory off the cuff. Don't. I, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I just know you hit a button, it plays music. I like the music. You can kind of nod your head to it. That's all I got. You're going to talk of measures, you're talking whatever you said. Yeah, four beats equals one measure. Yeah, see, I got no idea. But I don't no remember idea. what eight, there's a term for like eight measures in an eight count, like the one that, that we had right there. But I, I can't remember. I don't know anything about eight, but I know about four straight wins. Do you know about that? I, I know I know a thing or two about four straight wins. Four straight wins by double digits. Yeah, and the last two by what, 31 and 20. 31 and 20. Yeah, yeah I know a big reason for that. Mm-hmm. Neve Brown. The, it's the power of zero. Yes. Okay. She's our guest. How about that intro? Yeah, what do you think? You ready to jump in this show, Nevaeh? She's yeah. like, I did not sign up for this. I don't know who put me on this. Yeah, the door is unlocked. She can leave at any time. She, so she's uh, choosing to be here. Um, do Mike? y'all do that like off the top of the head? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We've worked together for a while. Okay. Second stint. But, you know, kind of like you work on, you know, your game. We, we, we work on this. Makes sense. Um, although this seems to be more fun because, you know, we don't have to run. You know, yeah, something goes wrong. energy. Nobody yells at us either. Yeah. So. Well, that's not always true. Well, I do yell at you. No, actually, you yell at me. I yell at you more than you yell I'm at me. I'm his boss, but he yells at me a lot. I don't oh, know how that works out. Oh, that's interesting. You yelling. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, the, I'm the competitor. It's it's kind of like, <laughs> it's like the face you make at the top of the key when somebody's in the wrong spot. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. I get a lot. I get a lot of, like, heat for that in, like practices and stuff i think it's hilarious like i just i, just I know you people usually think it's funny but it it some people it hurts their feelings yeah well there's nothing wrong i don't think with being a perfectionist right it's just that's kind of one i know of those that's of, what i i be trying to explain i just want things to be how they're supposed to be but i don't know i'm Wow. Should she borrow my sign that I used to have hanging on the door that said, check your feelings at the door? Oh, I might need it. Yeah. I thought that was one of my better signs because, you know, sometimes in the midst of doing what we do or, or uh, not so much on the radio side, there is some, but on the TV side, mm-hmm. as you'd imagine there's a director and there's cameras and there's things and graphics and audio and somebody will mess up at some point. Mm-hmm. Somebody yells. And we have a lot of students, and sometimes students' feelings are hurt, and we would have to make a sign that says, okay, you have to check your feelings at the door because we're not really yelling at you. We're just yelling at the situation of, like, something's not working. Right. Same thing. You're just yelling about, hey, we're, I'm not really yelling at you. I just, right. I just need you over here. Right. That makes sense to me. I mean, I work well that way. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how everybody else does, but. Yeah. How important is it that you hold yourself accountable then to the same standard? Like, when you have a shot that you realize probably the moment you let it go, like, I really shouldn't have taken that shot. Because yeah. I, I know that happens to you. Uh, I mean, when you take 20 shots a game, you're going to have one or right. two that are just like, that was a bad decision. Yeah. So how do you handle holding yourself accountable so that you're holding your teammates the same standard as yourself? Um, Usually, like, if it's something that's like, all right, I'll just literally tell them my bad. Like, I'll be like, my bad. Like, that was dumb. My bad. So, like, I have to, like, I have to do that more than anybody else or more than I even expect anybody else to do it because it's just like – I'm in a position where like I have a lot of freedom so like I have to you know make sure it's known that I'm not just going crazy with it you know that I'm like respecting everybody else with my freedom how much does a captaincy help you get get that 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 ability to kind of 
you know, lift your teammates or push your teammates to a standard? Um, honestly, it's been like I've been learning as I've been in it. So like it's coming, it's becoming easier because like I'm learning and I'm actually like trying to take it in and trying to learn. So it's, 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 it's a lot different because it does come with a lot of responsibility and a lot of, um, people like looking at you. So you have to beat their, beat their idea of what you just did by like, you know, just being ahead of it. If it's apologizing, if it's just saying, okay, you know, like just taking, taking the, being accountable, even if it's not my fault, you know? (laughs) First rule of leadership. Everything is your fault. It is. Right, Jay? Uh, yes, I've learned that from you. As you told me, it's my fault all the time. No, I learned uh, that from a bug's life. I learned life. that from yeah, the, any you know, of this. You can, there's all you know cartoons of you know you can find some good meaning. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I, I learned I learned that without serving in the armed forces. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about your journey, and then I want to get into the four game win streak. But yeah. talk about kind of your basketball life, and you know, uh, you know, through kind of high school, getting your choice. Obviously, to go play uh, Wake Forest ACC, mm-hmm. then in Northwest Florida, which we have several ties here too. We can talk about a little later, and then coming to ETSU, and then you're, you knew Coach Mock before. I, I'm fascinated by all of that. Can, can you just kind of yeah. walk me through that and the Cliff Notes version of it? Um, so, like in high school, I didn't start getting like that many. I didn't start getting attention until like my end of my sophomore year my junior year but then like once I got the I got my wake offer pretty soon like when I was getting my first offers like they were coming in pretty quick so like the wake offer was my last offer in that period and I kind of just got a little ACC happy and was just like yeah I'm gonna go to wake and so then that happened then um I went to wake it wasn't the best experience for me and um I then I was going to transfer and I was going to go to App State but then some academic things happened and I had to go to um JUCO so like I had to go to JUCO it's not like I was like I don't have anything I just like literally had to go to JUCO mm-hmm. and um yeah and that was just an experience in itself just because it's JUCO but coach Mock I I like knew her I knew her staff because they were recruiting me but like by the time they were about to get into really recruiting me I had committed so, like, it was going to be, like, a bigger relationship, but I just kind of, you know, cut it whenever I committed. But, yeah, so JUCO was JUCO, and I learned a lot of stuff. Each place that I went, I learned a lot of stuff, not even just about basketball. Like, I learned more about myself and the business of basketball more than I learned about basketball at each of these places. So, yeah. And now I'm just taking everything I learned and still learning here. JUCO – can be a humbling experience. Yes. And, and I mean, you had to, you know, you're a high school star, you know, fetid recruit that you, you get to go to uh, Wake Forest, you're an ACC kid. You go to JUCO, you're coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. You're playing the four. Yeah. I mean, what, what was that experience like for you? And, and what do you think the big lesson that you learned from that was? Um, Honestly, to just be like, be okay with where I am, even if it's not where I want to be. Like, not being okay as in like okay I'll take this and not wanting more but being okay with like trusting that it's gonna things are get better like wherever I'm at you know what I'm saying so it's just like not getting too caught up into how it's going and like why I'm playing the four or whatever and me playing the four was like part of my decision because if I didn't play the four I went I was gonna be playing less than I was playing because we had so many guards and like there was other stuff going on so yeah it was really just like 
really just doing what you got to do and putting yourself aside to, you know, ultimately get what you want and do what you need for the team. So what sold you on ETSU coming out of junior college? Um, Honestly, how much they liked me. And I was really just looking for, for somewhere. Like what I was lacking at Wake was like some like uh, environment where I felt like I was like wanted, even if I wasn't necessarily needed at the moment. So like I just wanted to be somewhere where I felt wanted, where I could like do what I've been wanting. To, like I hadn't, by that time I hadn't played like this many minutes since like high school. So I'm like, I want to be somewhere where I can play. I can, you know, feel like have just a good like surrounding environment. And I was just like, yeah, came on a visit. I liked it. The coaches liked me just as much as I liked them. So. Well, let's talk uh, about this season because I feel like it's kind of been threefold. Uh, you had the spectacular start to the non-conference. Mm -hmm. Then you had three straight home losses in conference play. Yep. Then you have a couple injuries. Mm -hmm. Overcome all that, now won four in a row. So <laughs> just, the ebb and flow of the season has been incredible. Just, just talk us through the first part of the season, then what maybe you think uh, didn't go right during the first three games and how you guys have corrected that uh, the last four. Um, honestly, I feel like coming off like the non-conference games and going into conference, I think we, cause we're all a new team. Like we're all a new players when it comes to like SoCon play. So it's just like, I feel like we just needed to like really realize that anybody can win these games. Like we can't just come out there and just be out there. Like we can't come out there and do the bare minimum. Like we have to bring what we have, what we have regardless of if we're up, if we're, if it's a tight game. So I think coming like those first three games, we were just like, I don't know, like the high of the the non-conference wins, I feel like. So we had to like, it was like a stuff check in a way. Like we had to like, all right, we don't like this. Like we don't like losing. Like I think we were like, okay, we, we not going to lose. Like we be winning, but it's like we can lose. I think it was just like a reality check. How much of a um... – I guess of a turning point was Jayla Rufus Miller's injury for you guys. Um, she's, you know, yes. she's one of those beating heart of the team type yeah. of players. And, yeah. and now she's not out there. Yeah. Um, well, it was, it was a lot to adjust to cause JJ, she, she does a lot. So it was a lot to have to, it was a lot to have to feel, but not in like feeling I, whoever steps up to do exactly what JJ does. Like we took it as like, each person can do a little bit of JJ was like everybody has to step up like all the rebounds that JJ get now we got to split them between all of us like we have to each get one more rebound to you know fill that rebound that JJ would have got so it's just like you know it's like it's like a everybody thing like we don't take it as like oh like now Jabo Jakaya is um the starting five so it's not like oh Jabo like you need to get all them offensive rebounds that JJ was getting it's like no, it's like it's no direct pressure being put on one person. It's yeah. just like it's a collective thing. We all have to, you know. It does feel like Jabo's taken a, a big step. I mean, she, she, she dominated her matchup at Furman, double-double yep. Wofford, yep. Uh, was really good against Kane, against UNCG. It just it seems like in general that the whole team has risen. And I have heard that after the Sanford game, there were some very pointed conversations had about – where this team needs to go to get back to what you were doing at the beginning of the year. Yeah. What was that locker room environment like? And how did everybody respond to that moment? Um, after the game? After the game. 
it was very emotional mm-hmm. because not only is JJ like big on the court, but like she's the great person off the court. So like it's just like you wouldn't want that for anybody. Like I like as much as she loves the game and how much passion she has for the game, like knowing that she is not going to be able to play i just know it's going to kill her like it would kill me you know what i'm saying like it would like literally i would be like oh my god like i'll be so sick but like she's been i know it's like you know i know it's hard but she's been like she's feeling a new role like she, now she um like she has whenever we have our halftime talk she's like the person that you know comes in she's like the the coach before the coaches come in so like that's the role she plays like in our timeouts she's always going to be like you know giving us a little rundown of what's going on what we need to do like so it's like she's still it's nothing has like dropped off for her just the basketball piece but she's still the voice she's still everything we need just in another way i've heard she gets after it with the halftime speech yes yes we got a little we got we our pregame speech we got a little rap the other day okay yeah she she'll she'll, she'll, she'll it up she'll keep us she'll keep us on our toes has she got some bars Yes, okay. I was surprised. And yeah. then she did a little. We we was like, can you do the rap again after the game? She did a little remix. Oh. Off the, I was like, girl, where that come from? Oh man! <laughs> now with nil, you can put out an album now if you need to. Right. That's I'm, get get she, JJ a SoundCloud. I know, right? Because <laughs> she she had some. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your game because it's it's been fun to watch you before games, and I don't get a chance to come out to practice much, but to see how many hours you're out there working on your game, your craft, trying to get the specifically the outside shot, I feel like trying to go down more mid-range. Yeah. You know, unbelievable. I mean, when you get to 15 and in, the running joke is it just book it, run it <laughs> in the floor. At least it is on the broadcast for us. And uh, the last couple of games, though, you've really – because we've seen you out there working, the three starting to go down. But I knew you were kind of feeling it last game where you got the ball, a little between the legs, step back, took the three, and hit it. Yeah. Now – I noticed when you took the three and hit it, you didn't look at Coach Mock on that one when you ran down. Uh, is that because uh, you're not sure of how she felt about the step-back three, or you were just in the moment? I was just in the moment, and I was just like, I don't know. It felt good. I saw I had space. I was like, all right, I'm going to shoot it. But it's just like I, it's only because I've been, like, feeling my three lately. And it's really just I just needed to put more – reps up in it and like just doing different things like shooting threes like moving to the spot you know just doing some different stuff with my footwork so now that I feel a little bit more feeling myself I'm like you know spice it up well it also feels and you can correct me if I'm wrong but it, it seems like a, a little bit more uh taking the threes in rhythm yeah uh, as opposed to maybe earlier in the season right it's in rhythm just shooting not thinking about okay left foot right foot elbow in elbow up like you know just shoot it like it's just like you know make sure you shoot it the same way every time I'm just not thinking just trying to shoot it trusting how much I've been you know trying to put in my work for it it does feel like this group has found a different offensive dimension with the three the last four or five games and and maybe to some degree that's out of necessity but you guys have done it and and you've shown that you have a counter to everything that teams try to take away from you. Yeah. Which I think is, is really interesting because you've got yourself and Giselle that like to attack, get downhill. Kendall can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, j has got the little set shot on the elbow that we saw break out against Greensboro. And Courtney is just the, 
you know, I, I I called her the Tony Allen of the team. She's like a three and D wing. She get it gets you nine ten points a game, uh, and just knocks him down with a ton of confidence. Yeah. Do you think it's because everyone's more comfortable in the roles they're asked to play now that? you guys are able to do a lot more different things offensively. Yeah, and I think it's too because, like, we're starting to get used to playing with each other so we know a little bit more of what to expect and when. And, like, if if somebody – like, before, if somebody would do something like that we've never seen before because we're all new playing with each other, we're like, oh, dang, okay. But now, like, if somebody do it, it's like, all right, like, she does that. Like, that's what she does. So, like, defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's easier to just transition. And it's knowing that, like, each one of us – has trust in the other person so we can take shots more, you know, confidently because we're not thinking about, like, this or that. It's just like an afterthought. If it's like a bad shot, it's an afterthought. Like, okay, that was bad. But, like, going into it, it's like, if you're going to put your mind to it, just do it to the best and try to hit it. Like, <laughs> It kind of feels like the chemistry, too, is working out because just, for example, on fast breaks, it seems like people know where people are going to be. Like, you know, Courtney's going to run to the three-point line around mm-hmm. the arc. You know, who's going to run the lanes? Who's going to be where? And so somebody like Kendall, if she's running the break, I, I feel like without having to think about it, she knows, you know, player A's here, player B there. And she and then I think that has helped tremendously too, yeah. where sometimes fast break early on in the season, you know, you're not, not quite sure where people's strengths are, where they're going to go. And I'm sure that that's part of a learning curve that you're talking about. Yeah. And it's like everything – this is like – coach mock too like everything like is like strategic like we have certain places where we're supposed to run and in transition so it's like you know for a fact that like someone's going to be in that spot so if you hear them calling it like they're going to be right there so it's like we work on where to go so we know where to look even in our offense like if you drive it's always going to be this this or this now it's down to hitting those when they're open who would you say if, if you're playing a two-man game say uh, against the other team, who mm-hmm. do you say you who would you say you have the best chemistry with on offense? Um, that's kind of tough because I feel like our our um our offense is so built around like screens. Yeah. So like I would have to say J Bo because mm-hmm. it's like it's that's what like I don't know that our that's who I have to be more like most in mm-hmm. you know in sync with on the court because right. yeah because last game i got a couple moving screens so yeah yeah so yeah. <laughs> gotta work on that chemistry but that's like the ones where it's the most chemistry but it's me. different when it's like your side of it right and you're like i know exactly what i did wrong so now i'm just gonna not do this again yeah 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 but the the moving screens be like 70% the guard fall and, like, 30% the post fall. Now, so. I'm amazed that a guard – because I've talked to many guards, and I've talked to a lot about a lot of times it is the guard's fault because they don't let the screener fully get up there and set yeah. before they go. Yeah. But a lot of guards always blame the post players, so I'm already impressed that, you, again, leadership, taking ownership, all that stuff, already yeah. taking the 70-30 for the guards because yeah. that is about – uh, yeah, you're right, probably 70% of the time it probably is the guard's fault. Yeah, because the only time it's like the post fault is if like their base is too wide and they get they nick the player what they need or like they try to like extend or something. Or they you lean. Know? Or, yeah, yeah, you know, bit, something yeah. like that. But it's just like that's not – that's it's usually just the guard coming off too fast and they can't get set. What's the mindset of this team as you guys go into the last seven games of the regular season? It certainly feels like you're playing as well as anybody in the conference right now and – 
I mean, we've seen it. You know, Chattanooga had a chance to win it in the last 20 seconds. You know, Mercer maybe didn't play great, but that's a team that's within your grasp. Sanford is a team that's within your reach. Um, how, how is the group feeling as you get ready to make the turn into the final handful of games? That's, like, that's it right there. Like, everything is, like, in our grasp. Like, even Coach Monk always says, like, it's in our hands. Like, it's not like we're having to wait for other people to lose or wait for this to happen. Like, right now in this moment, like, it's in our hands. So, like, it's literally what we do with it. So, it's like our first three losses, we're about to play them three teams again. So, we're all, like, we owe them. Like, literally. Like, we cannot. We cannot. Like, we shouldn't have lost the first time. So, it's like it's we have to bring it to them harder than they got it the first time even, you know. Yeah. Do you sense the rivalry with Chattanooga, even though you've only played them once? Um, a little bit. I feel like after I feel like this game will really show because we'll be at our top like focus mentally that we're just gonna I don't know like I want it to be like a I don't know like I want it to be so intense but like good intense like yeah. we killing them like that's how bad I want it so maybe yes I want that too yes maybe so that's maybe like an intense rivalry maybe I feel it and I'm already yeah. you know so yeah. playing with emotion and not playing emotional yes that's the that's always the the hardest line to walk yeah uh they we like to do a couple fun things when we have uh athletes on the show and one of those things that we like to do that's usually really fun is uh, we have some rapid-fire questions that we like okay. to ask. And we, we do this in two minutes. And for every question that you answer, you get a point. Some of the questions have specific, correct answers that we're looking for. And you get two points for those. Okay. That sound this, good? The, 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 genre, or the genre of the questions is just everywhere? It's everywhere. A lot, okay. of, a lot of them are about you, but then there will be a couple like riddles and things. <clears throat> Okay. Are you ready to and run? If the there's ever a question about me or Keith, he answers me. Okay, just throw that out. Okay, there. okay, okay. All right, okay. We uh, are you ready to run the fast break? <laughs> yep. Let's do it. <clears throat> Welcome to the land of the hyenas. <laughs> What's the farthest you've ever been from home today, Brown? Um, eight hours, Florida. When I was Florida. in Florida State. Okay. What sport besides basketball have you always wanted to try? Um, I used to play softball, but other than that, I probably play football football yeah tailback wide receiver or what uh definitely wide receiver wide receiver okay yeah. who's the toughest player you've ever had to guard um shoot uh i don't know probably somewhere in the acc um ah, i can't think um yeah i don't remember it was too many good guards i don't know somebody you got the better of probably something uh <laughs> what is your favorite word um, probably girl. I say girl a lot. Girl? Yeah. Courtney Moore's answer was probably the best. Her favorite word was Courtney. I'm t- <laughs> of course she that's said a, that. A- <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's an all-timer. Uh, what is your least favorite word? Um, Courtney. <laughs> actually, not planned. Um, <laughs> probably... Yes, I hate when people... I don't know. I don't like being called me. For two points, what five-letter word becomes shorter when you add two letters to it? Shorter. Short. Yeah, Yeah. I'll take it. Short. Uh, Shorter. If you could be an animal for one day, what animal would you be? Ooh, um, a lion. Okay. What's your favorite car? Does not have to be one you've driven. Um...
It's one of them BMWs that's like between the car and the SUV. So okay. it just looks like a big... The crossovers? Yeah. yeah. Dogs or cats? Uh, dogs, but I have a cat and I love my cat. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, how good of a cook are you? Ooh. I say like a 7 because I, I, I have potential. Okay. <laughs> Is the capital of Kentucky pronounced Louisville or Louisville? Louisville. No. It's Lewis? Frankfurt. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, this is what I deal with every day. Do you feel my pain? This is what I deal with every day. And then he laughs. No, and then he laughs. hilarious. No, he kills himself. I know, I know, trust me. Oh, man, Neve Brown with 12 with one bonus point. Uh, no, nobody. London is Cop- the bonus point putting up with you or something else? <laughs> right, what's the bonus point? The bonus point was for getting shorter right. Oh, okay, okay. That, that was yeah. You got a bonus okay. point for that. Okay. Uh, London Kaufman still the high score at seventeen. Oh dang! Yeah. I didn't. Did I get asked that many questions? No, there's twenty. If you make it through all twenty, then you. Oh, so I was taking too long. Dang. Yeah, See, you, you, I you, you got hung on the player. I know you yeah. didn't give me the instructions when you're trying to get <laughs> the most as you can. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, you did say rapid though. T- I did say rapid. Yeah. Next time. Yep. We'll have you on again. We'll do it in the fall because we'll keep these scores over the course of the year. Okay. We'll do it. We'll have you on again later this year, maybe in the fall, and we'll we'll do it right next time. All right. But it'll be twenty different questions. Okay. Uh, so the last thing we like to do is at this is one that we like to pay it forward between across the student athletes. Yep. So uh, uh, the previous athlete to sit in that chair uh, was Jamie Collier, the new safety for football. And he asked a question, and we're going to ask you that question, then you will ask another question of the next athlete to sit in the chair. Okay. So Jamie's question was, what is one place in the world you want to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Um, I want to travel a lot, but I think I want to go to like, I want to go to like Bora Bora as like on like a vacation but like i want that to be like a couple vacation okay but i want to go somewhere like in spain like barcelona or something and Ooh. i want that to be like a i don't know like a some some kind of vacation but like with more people okay so you want to go with a big group to barcelona yeah to somewhere like that like in like you know foreign mm-hmm. i don't know if that's in the program budget but i'm sure yeah, could, yeah sure you could lobby mock to make that happen with a preseason trip Oof. or something we're gonna see <laughs> Well, put something in the air. All right. What's your question for the next athlete to sit down with us? Mm, If you got a million dollars every day, but like it was taken at the end of the day, but you get a new million dollars the next day, what would you like? How would you use the money? And like, what would you do? What would be the first thing you buy? So if you didn't have, if you got a million dollars every day, but it didn't carry over to the next day, how yeah. would you use it? Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's a, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. That's exactly what I would expect from Neve Brown. Why? Because, I mean, you're, you're, you're a person that just, you, you are, you, you, you fit all of the classic, you know, like student of the game, basketball stuff. You're really good X's and O's. You think about things on a really complex level and... <laughs> Like some people just go through life and it's the six inches in front of their face, and you think about more, you think about it more than that. Yeah, I, I tell you what I like about. I bet you could solve okay. a Rubik's cube in in less than ten minutes. Oh, 
Can you do that? No. Oh, I was going to be, man, I was like, oh, let's go. I was going to find one. I like the fact that you've laughed at our jokes. That usually doesn't happen. So I'm impressed with the Either she's very nice or got the jokes. Who knows? We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just a lot of, a lot of people just sit back and they go, hmm, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I just find humor and corniness. I'm corny. Oh, then you're in no, the right spot. You are in the, you're the right, right spot. spot. You're, you're going to be got a recurring guest at this point. <laughs> Dad uh, jokes galore. Yeah, it's like yeah. I watch videos on YouTube with people um, saying dad jokes. It's kind of bad. All right, right up early. All right, today, <laughs> Brown, we appreciate you talking about. Hey, good luck uh, against Chattanooga. Thank if there's you. nothing you know about me, it's that I hate Chattanooga more than anything on this planet. So I love I'll be that. pulling for you on Saturday. I love that. Well, we've talked a lot of stuff today. Men's basketball, big win. We've talked women's basketball, Southern Conference. A little bit on the commissioner stepping down. I got to pause for this. Dr. Neve Brown? Yes. We haven't talked about uh, um, awful over Wawad guitar solos at all, though. No. And nor will I. I feel like that's where we could just get into a, a conver- long, winding conversation thread about the Grateful Dead. That we would get into that, or I would listen to you get into that. <laughs> I, think, I, don't, I don't know. I don't okay. know. I'm just, I'm just making sure. All right. probably, probably start out with uh, Love Light into Casey Jones into mm. Dark Star into, mm-hmm. and then the moon came out and it was like Jerry willed it. I hope you know what he's talking about. <laughs> of course, I'm pointing. Nobody can see. Uh, George Corbs. We promised he would come back uh, tomorrow, which is today on Thursday. We're recording today's podcast about staff changes again. Uh, we're going to Will Huzzy on Monday. Uh, Will was mad at me. He came and told me at the basketball game um, that he recruited Rydell heavily to come back with him and be a part of the team. And then Rydell is the first to tell everybody that Huzzy is back and he wasn't able to tell everybody himself and that I gave him the platform to do it. Needless to say, he's mad at me. So I'm going to have him on Monday so Will Huzzy can give the full story. So don't tell everybody that yes. Will's back? Okay. Don't. Tyler's already told everybody. Okay. So you just let – don't – you just know that, and you've already told around. half the story. So now Will, now now he's going to be twice as mad. Ah, no, I know because it is an interesting story. I think, mm-hmm. um, at least what he was telling me yesterday. And again, you know how these young men are, what all their thought process going to. What no, I going don't. On. No, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Uh, Try to. Let, let me tell you what else. I, I'm not sure you know what these adults are going through. Your coaches, because uh, a lot of staff changes. But again, at our level, this this isn't it's, anything sure. um, that is new to uh, FCS football. I mean, major basketball. I mean, these things happen. So let's start with um, coaches that were here that are not, and then kind of update. You know, what if if you know what they're doing, what they're doing, sure. and then we'll jump into okay. Well, that means we need new faces. Who are they? Yeah. Well. Um, the ones that are gone. Uh, we had uh, two retire, right? Yes. Uh, Gary Downs and uh, Daryl Day. You know, they both, you know, Gary is technically not retired, but he's not coaching. He's working for the a recruit- recruiting well, service. And, and, and just to backtrack, we talked about this when uh, – I thought we talked about this. Maybe we didn't. But, you know, obviously he's got the, the one son. It's about to be a first-round draft pick because the younger son is going to be at Alabama. He's got a daughter who plays college volleyball. No, she's graduated. Oh, she's she's graduated. starting med school. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's why yeah. – um, so, Yeah, yeah. and – you know, and, and Gary, what he did, you know, basically commuting for eight years from Atlanta to ETSU. Of course, he had an apartment up here, but his family was there. And, I mean, he 
he gave everything he had to ETSU, and he just felt like it was time, and I totally agree. You know, I've been commuting for a year now, and I don't know how you do it for eight um, and not be around your kids. And, and you have half the drive he had, right? Had to, half the drive and, you know, half the kids. You know, I only got two kids. I got two-thirds of the kids, I guess. And uh, But he – I'm excited for Coach, like I said, He's going to get to go watch his boys play, one in the NFL, one at Alabama. Um, you know, it's, it's just he needs to go do this, and, you know, I'm happy for him. He gave everything he had to to ETSU. And then Daryl Day really came out of retirement. Yes. Just, and you knew that was the deal. He's coming out. He's going to do a year. He left you a couple of good Louisiana recruits on the way he out did. the door. Now he's back into retirement and fishing. Yeah, yeah. Daryl was retired, and he kind of caught us in a pen, you know, Got us out of a pinch, I guess. We had a coach leave uh, last March, I believe, during spring practice. And Coach Day said, yeah, I can go do that. And he and Kathy moved up here. And, you know, now they're moving to the Hilton Head area. Um, so I'm happy for him, too. You know, he's Daryl's he's good as they get. He's funny. He's entertaining, all those things. And, obviously, you mentioned it brought us two really good players, I think, from Louisiana on his way out. And then Joe Horn, maybe the smartest man alive. Is that where we're going with? That's it? what we think. Yeah, he and Duke both. Uh, they're just they're getting out of coaching, both of them. And uh, Joe, you know, was kind of surprised. I knew about Drew's deal for a little while, but Joe kind of he came in one day last week. He said, "Coach, I'm getting out." And uh, one of his old, I think, a high school teammate, high school friend. Is ask him to, to go to work for him, you know, making substantially more money than he was making. He, you know, got the golf course membership, all that stuff. And, and like I said, Joe did a great job. You know, our receivers played great last year. And, you know, we'll miss all those. And, and Drew's getting out too. Drew's going to Georgia, um, going to work for, I'm not sure, it's fundraising, kind of entertainment type stuff. And, um, you know, to be closer to his fiance and, you know those sort of things. So, but you know that uh, other op that's opportunities for other guys for sure. All right, and Adam Newbar had left uh, before that, so you lose offense coordinator. All right. That being said, we talked about who uh, left. We need new faces coming sure. in. Who are those guys? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll just go with in order that they've kind of been hired, uh, and they'll be starting next week. Uh, most of them. So Gus Ragland will be coaching our tight ends. Uh, Price Partrick has moved from tight ends back to quarterbacks he was at quarterbacks uh last i guess before i got here and so he's moved back over there and he'll actually be our pass game coordinator price will handle that uh gus ragland uh will coach the tight ends gus comes to us most recently from notre dame he's a cincinnati native uh three-year starter at quarterback for miami of ohio engineering major Obviously, a really bright guy was a GA and an analyst at Notre Dame, I think, for four years. And, you know, he's sharp guy. I think he'll bring a lot to our program. Any uh, thought process because he's from Cincinnati? Uh, Jay, Jay immediately <laughs> yeah. lit up the moment you said Cincinnati. That's yeah. a uh, – that's let's see, four – no, five and five, yeah. signing day. You know, he's counting the – you know, the four guys we signed from up there and then, then bringing in Gus, you know, that's – Cincinnati's been good good to us. If I didn't know any better, I would think Sandos is just, like, made of Skyline Chili, as, much, as excited as he is about Cincinnati. I mean, you give me spaghetti noodles and chili. I mean, you had me – and cheese. <laughs> I don't know what you don't like out of that. 
<laughs> so, but yeah. yeah, so, but we're excited about Gus. Like I said, uh, you know, just kind of a chance meeting, got to talk to him at the convention. You know, we really hit it off and just got to talking and talk some more, did Zoom. Obviously really sharp, been around good football at Notre Dame, bring some, I think, some different ideas, um, which – I value he's younger. I think he's 28 years old, 27, which I love the energy the younger guys bring. Yeah, it's interesting that you say, you know, kind of met him at the coaches convention and you got to talk in. I think everybody looks at coaching from the outside and says it's all about who you know. It's all about network. You know, I have these relationships with all these guys for years and years and years. I don't know that it's necessarily that way. How many coaches have you hired to staffs that you just kind of met through happenstance over the years? Yeah, um, well, when we get to one of these other ones, it'll be a, a happenstance, you know, that really was. And, uh, you know, it happens. You you know, that's the best thing to me about the convention. I, I'm not a huge fan of the convention, but it is good to meet some more, some more people and a lot of younger guys. Um, you know, at our level, you do have quite a bit of turnover. You know, you're – you know, as great as ETSU is, you know, for some guys, you know, it's just not a destination spot. This is a stop on the way to, you know, trying to get to those Power Five schools or or whatever the case might be. And so you get a young one that you think, hey, this guy, you know, he's got a chance, you know, to to be there. And and these guys may not be here for a while, you know, but I think right now, you know, they're what we need, uh, young guys and. So we're excited about that. And sometimes it's harder to hire the older guys. Right. You know, just uh, your resources aren't quite there sometimes to hire older staff members. Was it a deliberate choice to hire a lot of younger coaches, or did it just kind of work out that way? It kind of worked out that way. Um, I, Me personally, I like it. I told Coach Taylor, I said, you and I got enough age for, for uh, most of the staff here. You know, why do we need more old guys? You know, we, you know, we can handle that part of it ourselves. And. You know, and like I said, I just think getting younger guys in here, I think sometimes they relate a little bit better. They're closer and in age. Uh, they understand what some of these younger guys are going through. Uh, they've all played, um, played most of them at a pretty high level. You know, so they understand what these guys are up against. So, well, you're going to get into more stories. Uh, who's, who's next on the list? Uh, Jay Guillermo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. let's go. Get Big into Jay. this one because this is not one. Yeah, Jay and I have known each other a while, sure. Yeah, Jay played for me at Maryville. Um, he played for Maryville High School his junior year and senior year. Um, his mom and stepdad moved to Maryville uh, because of church. Uh, Jay's stepdad was the music minister at First Baptist Church in Maryville. And uh, Jay obviously was a great player there. He's an Under Armour All-American. Uh, signed with Clemson, played there for four years, actually five, I think, and was the captain on their national championship team in 16 with uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, that team. Obviously a really good player, went to Georgia State for two years as a GA, coached at Western Carolina, I think, in 2021. Fall of 21, he was at um, Carson Newman and then went to Virginia this past year as a, a graduate assistant so you know he's been loves he's one of those lifers loves the game uh you know looks like an old lineman <laughs> you know even though he's cut you know he played at 305 I think he said he's weighing about 260 right now but 
you know, just loves it. Um, I think he'll bring that energy, that enthusiasm that group needs. Um, obviously, he's been there, done it. He knows what what those guys um, are experiencing, you know, what's going to give them trouble, you know, those sort of things. And, you know, really excited about getting him here. I'd say the the two big things at selling point, when you look at the line and ask them how many national championships they won, right? You, Absolutely. You and then number two, I think anytime you look at a guy that played in meaningful games, I think it was a four-year starter at some point, um, uh, captain, championship, Dabo Swing, culture, all, all that good fun stuff. Um, and then Young, I, I think all of that kind of kind of plays into it. Because it's not one of those where he can say, you know, I won the 1976 whatever, right? Sure. He's talking 2016, and those guys probably – They know who that yeah, is. Yeah, they know when that is or who that is. So. Well, and, and all these things, the one thing I think they have in common, the most good people. You know, and uh, it's that's important to me, you know, that we get good guys in here that are going to be good uh, – good role models, good influencers of, of our guys, and, you know, and they're fun to be around. Who's next, uh, next we'll go Kirk Garner. Kirk Garner mm-hmm. will be our running backs coach. Uh, Kirk comes to us most recently from Vanderbilt, and he was at Vanderbilt for three years as an analyst and quality control guy where he worked with the running backs and kind of another chance meeting Um Norval McKenzie was the running backs coach at Vanderbilt. And I hit him up, say, hey, you know, we're looking for you know, a young running backs coach or a running backs coach. Do you know of anybody? And he called me back immediately, you know, and just says, hey, this guy is sharp. Um, he played at University of Virginia. And I think even cooler than that, he grew up in the DMV area, grew up in D.C., bust 45 minutes each way uh, to go to Good Counsel High School, you know, because he knew he needed a, a better education, that sort of thing, wanted to play big-time football. So he played at Good Counsel, signed with Virginia, played uh, corner there, and then towards ACL his senior year, became a student coach, graduated from Virginia, obviously a really good ed- education uh graduated stayed on his ga got his master's there where he worked with he worked with secondary some worked with the inside receiver some and then became running backs after he went to vandy so i just think he's you know, like i said interviewing him sharp guy uh speaks extremely well you can just see and feel the energy when when he's uh talking to you and like i said so I'm excited about it. When I talked to him and said, hey, you got the job. We'd love to get you here. I'm there. You know, and I said, you know, we talked about, you know, temporary housing, that stuff. He said, well, coach, do I have an office? I was like, yes. He said, that's all I need. Just give me an office, a <laughs> pillow and a blanket, and I'll be, I'll be good. So, but he's a, you know, great guy. And like I said, I think he'll be good for that room. The thing that jumped out to me was he, he's got an undergraduate degree in anthropology. Yeah, I asked him about that, and, uh, and I told him, well, I've got a political science degree and, and uh, you know, that I don't use. And I said, what are you going to do with an anthropology degree? And he said, coach. And so. <laughs> 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 so. uh, it's, it's really fun to have. Some, it, it's interesting because you went 
from Gary to basically the total opposite of Gary, right? Gary was kind of a father figure for that room, and now you got somebody that's you know maybe a little bit more of a brother figure, sure, for, for a big brother figure for for these guys. What what do you hope that relationship turns into for for Kirk, uh, particularly as he you know starts as a running backs coach, a position coach in earnest in his sure. career? And you know, talking to him, that was one of the first things that he brought up was that the importance of those relationships in the room, um, whether it's brother figure, father figure, whatever, um, that mentor role uh, that that group always needs. You know, your running backs coach, you know, that can be a tough room to coach. You know, there's one football, a whole bunch of running backs. They all want 30 carries a game. Usually that doesn't happen that way. But in that room, there's a bunch of talent. There is. So how do you uh, – how do you manage that? And, you know, I think that's one thing that Kirk will do really well. Like I said, you, when you all talk to him, you, I think you'll feel, feel his energy and his excitement, you know, about getting to do what he loves doing. So then the, the last one is a, an oldie but a goodie. He's oldie back, but right? a goodie, yes, sir. Da- even though he's not old. Yeah, he's not very old either. Uh, and I'm not sure how old he is, but Dallas Dickey comes back to us. You know, he was a QC here for a while. Um, Played at Carrollton High School down in Georgia. Played at West Georgia for his dad, Daryl Dickey. Um, came here, and he was here when I got here. And He was one of those guys that I never – you couldn't get here earlier than Dallas, and you couldn't leave later than, than Dallas. He's one of those – he just he loves to work. Um, and then last spring he got a chance to go be the receivers coach at UT Martin. Did a great job there. Um, I think he had an All-American receiver there that, uh, you know, broke all kinds of records and stuff. And, and like I said, recruited well. You know, and I called Coach Simpson out there, and he had nothing but great things to say about Dallas. You know, so that was kind of a, you know, an, an easier hire. You know, we talked to some other guys, but didn't take us long to realize, hey, Dallas is who we want here. And he understands ETSU, loves ETSU. He's excited about getting back here. He was the hand signal guru. That's right. He's still, you know, we'll probably have some of those. There'll be some of them are different, obviously, but but he'll be able to do some of that too. That was the running joke I had with him. I would go in there and say, hey, you know, I'd have Austin Herring, like, text me a play, even when he was gone. And I'd go in there and ask that, and then Dow started doing his little hand signals. So, the hand signal guy. He oh, he's had, great. I mean, he had more skills than that, but still, no. I always enjoy that. How do you remember all that? I think that's just, that's almost a, a different skill set altogether, uh, the, whoever's in charge of hand signals. It's a language. I mean, it's really like learning a – foreign language you know mm-hmm. learning all those signals and stuff and unfortunately you know i still remember some of them you know <laughs> and <laughs> and i've got you get quite a few of these languages that go through your head whether it's at Maryville or Furman or last year this year you know you got man you know you get them all mixed up and uh, uh but dallas i think he's going to be great um for us um like i said I, he is pumped up like i said he it didn't take him too long to accept. Uh, he was, he's ready to go, and like I said, can't wait to get him here. And I, I asked you about this yesterday on, on uh, Sportsline on the Monster, uh, but with all these new offensive coaches, it's a chance to kind of reevaluate things that worked, things that didn't on the offensive side of the ball in particular, and, and you want your team to work more from between the hashes out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and I just think it's more of an inside-out approach. Right. You know, uh, last year I think we were just so outside-in you know, we tried to throw it to run it rather than let's run it to throw it. You know, kind of just a little bit different, um, you know, way of looking at things. And, 
you know, and the receivers, they're worried, hey, we're not going to throw it. And I'm like, guys, that's not at all what I'm saying. Right. We just want to make sure that we are really good at, you know, running the football. And that's what we want to base everything around. And then we'll do the RPOs. We'll do the now screens. We'll do the boots or the, you know, play actions, whatever it takes. But everything's got to start with that run game. And uh, I just think that's the difference, you know. But you may look at us and you're not going to – you know, it's not going to look drastically different. You know, we're not going to line up in different formations necessarily. But, you know, I just think it's just a different approach to how we, you know, look at how we're going to attack each game. You know, when ETSU, you know, for the most part, when they've been successful, there have been multiple running backs. There's never really been the bell cow. When I look at Furman, you know, for the most part, you know, unless you go on the Chris Ivory days, but back in yesterday, sure. you know, for the most part, two, three backs are yep. getting that. And that's, uh, again, a room that uh, is, in a good way is kind of crowded on different guys that, you know, if they're kind of hitting or getting some carries early, I mean, just ride the hot hand. Yeah, you really, going into this spring right now, you don't know who your, your number one guy is. Um, you would think – you know, just based on experience, it could be Irby, Bryson Irby. It could also be Amir Dendy. You know, it could be Trey Foster. It could be Zach Boris. Or it could be somebody we bring in, you know, Tory Lambert. And uh, and that's a great problem to have, and you're exactly right. You know, and I, I talked to those guys and said, just remind them. I was like, guys, there were a couple games last year. You know, your hamstrings hurting, your knees hurting. We didn't have enough guys to, you know – Jacob Saylor's down at uh, Citadel. Really, we had one back, plus a Amir Dendy who had Hadn't never played, played a in a game right, yeah, before. Yeah. You know, so that's not a good place to be in. I just don't think you can have too many of those guys. You know, the the second deepest, um, well, maybe the deepest first is wide receiver. Sure. I mean, it's just it, with Huzzy coming back, yep. there's just a lot of names, a lot of reps. Um, you get both tight ends back. Obviously, Juwan Martin, the fullbacks back. Offensive line will be the next thing you've. You've already talked about that recruiting, so I don't really want to dive too much into that. But, uh, you know, offensively, um, just curious, you know, being a little bit of a uh, – been around the game. I was sure. Gonna, I was going to say old, but I, I caught myself. Uh, uh, but being around the game, I, I think what I'm excited about with the thing that's going on is situational awareness. You know, it. do you need to slow things down? Right. Do you need to pick up tempo? Sure. Do we need – to make sure we get a few extra snaps, let the defense run. So Absolutely. That, that's the one thing that I, that excites me about kind of – and, and I don't know uh, how the official setup's going to be. Right. You know, uh, is it a coordinator by committee? Is it, you know, you're game planning but somebody else is calling or they're game planning and you're calling? Right. You know, I don't know if you want to get into that today. Sure. Or even yeah, you know, uh, and we have talked about it a little bit. Like I said, Price will be the, the pass game coordinator. Um when I'm not in the room, you know, he'll be the one that's kind of running the, the show in there. Uh, but it's a room where all ideas are welcome. Um, you know, we've been, you know, talking lots the last few weeks about getting this thing set up. And, you know, and Price has never called him, I don't think, in a game, not full time. You know, he's called some plays for sure. You know, I've done it, but nobody else will have called plays. So, you're right about situational awareness. You know, the tempo thing, that's always, uh, you know, a topic of discussion. You know, do you want to run tempo or do you want to slow it down? And I think you want to do both. I mean, I really do. Right. I just think you want to yeah. mix it up. You don't want to be fast all the time. 
then your defense can be back out there. I just think you want to protect your, your team. Whatever is going to – you know, and there's nothing way worse than a dead play, you know, where you just wasted a down. We want to make sure we got chances to – you know, we can't waste them. You know, if we're getting 65, 70 plays, we'd like all of them to have a chance to be successful, not just, hey, we went fast and, you know, threw it away, nothing. You know, that sort of thing. So, um so that's kind of what we're thinking offensively. And, you know, like I said, I have a lot of confidence in Price. Price is very, very bright. Um, you know, he's been around the game for a while. He's learned from some great ones, uh, whether it was, you know, Randy Sanders or Watson Brown or Marcus Satterfield. You know, these are good offensive minds that, that he has learned under. And uh, he understands the run game, bringing in somebody like Jay Garamo, another guy who, like you said, you know, he's been on national championship teams. He understands what it takes to win. You know, Gus Raglan, he's been at Notre Dame, you know, and when they were good. You know, he was under Brian Kelly for a while. He's been with uh, Tommy Reese, you know. So these guys, like I said, they know some ball, you know, they're for sure. And, uh you know, so it's been fun to kind of put things together, you know, and figure out. And the most important thing in all this is figuring out what we're good at. We don't need to force a system on our team. And we need to figure out, you know, what you get. Hey, we want to be a wide zone team. Well, if we can't run wide zone, why would we keep doing it? You know, we got to figure out what we're good at and, and really build off of that. You know, the other thing I'm excited about is something called a huddle. I love a huddle, muddle huddle, whatever. Muddle huddle, that's right. You can right. huddle, you can muddle huddle. Yep. If you need, you know, you got a good matchup and you want to go, you know, you got the ability to do that. Um, so we talked about a little bit of everything. Coaches that are back on the offensive side, uh, you mentioned Price is back. Yes. the quarterback, Coach Partrick. On the defensive side, still Dwight Evans, right? Still Chris Grimes, Dylan Llewellyn, and, of course, Billy Yes. Coordinator and have his hands in Yeah, there. and what uh, – but they have shifted around a little bit. Um, Dwight has been coaching the Rams, which is the boundary outside backers, and he's going to D-line. Uh, Dylan Llewellyn, who's had the field outside backers, the Bandits, he's going to inside backers. Chris Grimes will still be in the secondary, and then Billy is going to be a kind of a, you know, floater. He'll move around to different positions and – and then we'll hire a, another outside backers coach, and that should be coming anytime here. Um, and then, you know, role-wise, uh, Dylan Llewellyn is going to take over as special teams coordinator. And that's something that, you know, in a lot of ways he had the role last year. He just got the title now, and Dylan's done a great job. Uh, was he in charge of punt block? That's what I want to know. Well, Dwight Evans was in charge of punt block. Can I suggest Dwight Evans still have a little bit of He will still have, okay. absolutely. Because <laughs> the three punt yeah. blocks in a yeah. year is pretty spectacular. No, it's great. Okay. Yeah. We talked to, speaking of, uh, I think Notre Dame had seven last year. I was talking to Gus the other night. He said, yeah, we had seven punt blocks. You know, I was like, well, we thought we did good at three. Yeah, I agree. You know, but, uh, which we did. But, uh, but yeah, Gus uh, – and – Within that, you know, you'll have guys that are, you know, serve road. Absolutely. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And uh, But somebody has to kind of be in charge of that room. So, Dylan will have that. Okay. Well, only thing, uh, I guess, last question for me. I'll see if Keith's got anything else. The only thing I heard is all ideas are welcome. So, I'll be sending my plays calls probably once a week. You want You've done that day. since I've been yeah, here. Nobody's ran yeah, one yeah. of them. <laughs> nobody's ran one yet. I want to get one of them in there. No, we ran a bunch of them last year. That's what we'll tell you. <laughs> the unsuccessful? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Soft toss that one, didn't oh. Yeah, yeah, you sure did. Yeah, that's the game script. The first 10 plays are all Sandos plays. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, when you say, you know, all ideas are welcome, that's something that I hear a lot with young coaching staffs in particular is they, they come kind of expect – a collaborative environment. Certainly, I mean, you're looking for everything that you can do to move your offense forward after last year, but is it kind of a, is it almost a, a desire to have a more forward-thinking approach to offense that you want all of your position coaches to have input on, you know, what you're doing in specific situations? Yeah, and, you know, and even last year and every year I've ever been, you know, you broke up the role, you know, on your staff. You know, you had a, you know, this guy, he did the short yardage breakdown. You know, the this guy did third and long. This guy did the play action shots. You know, that sort of thing. And I don't see that changing. Um, but, you know, when you're actually doing your game plan or your, you know, your open field stuff, your first and, you know, you know, first ten plays, all that stuff. I want input, you know, because we all have blind spots. I think I mentioned that yesterday, and, you know, we're not – none of us are perfect. But I just think uh, ideas are good. It gives everybody some ownership. Uh, you know, they're excited about coming in there and working and meeting. And plus they're they're more locked in. They're more – you know, it's easier for them to teach and relay the, the game plan, I think, to players when they feel like they're a part of it. And, um, you know, I think we all kind of think the same way. You know, last year we had a, you know, without revealing too much, you know, but there was a difference of opinions a lot. And it wasn't real good. You know, it wasn't real healthy at times, you know. But I just think um, so far talking to all these guys, I think our room's going to be a lot more fun to work in. Uh, just, you know, I, I would be shocked if we're not – certainly hope we're a lot better you know just a year into it is that different from when you started I mean a lot of older old school type coaches or maybe a little bit more because I said so personalities is that something that's different from when you got started in coaching to now that that rooms have become a lot more collaborative in game plan yeah I, I think so you know it's uh you know kids today you know they sure, want to know yeah, why absolutely you know you're telling me to run well why you know because I said so, you know, that doesn't yeah. go real far anymore, <laughs> you know, and I think co young coaches are a little bit that way too. You know, they want to know why we're doing something or – and not in a disrespectful way or anything, but they just – they need to know the why. And uh, and that – and I think as coaches that makes you uh, better because you're having to explain your why to somebody. You know, and I, sometimes that can be a little – you know, it gets a little tough, but – but I just think uh, it creates better understanding throughout the room. Uh, I did forget because Gary was a recruiting coordinator. Yes. Is somebody taking that. Yes, right? we will. We um, we're not ready to announce that one yet. But yes, we're we're working on that, and, and Gary did a great job with that. And you know, and that's something that I don't think anybody wants. That's one of those jobs you're like recruiting coordinator. Oh, great. You know, yeah. kind of because it, it's a lot of uh, busy work and. You know, there's some added stuff that goes along with that. But, but yeah, we'll have somebody in that role hopefully soon. All right. Coach, we appreciate it uh, talking the last couple of days. Good luck on the outside linebacker coach deal. Yes, and, sir. Uh, we're going to try to get some of these uh, guys in here uh, through the next couple You'll love month it. or two. They're, they'll we'll be get fun. Their, get their thoughts. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. All right. That was a long show. It was a good one. That was a marathon. That was a marathon. Oh, man. My side hurts from running that marathon of talking. 
Well, we talked men's basketball, yep. women's basketball. Twice. Twice. Uh, we talked uh, slightly Will Huzzy. We'll have him on Monday. We talked to George Corals. We mentioned the Southern Conference Commissioner stepping down, uh, Jim Schaus, and we're going to talk more about that on Monday. So Monday, recap of some hoops. Then we're going to talk commissioner talk. Then we'll get Will Huzzy's side of the story. Okay. Sounds good to me. This show is sprawling like Houston. We got we got to rein it in. We got to we got to build ver- got to build tall, density rather than sprawl. Well, Vertical, not horizontal. See, if we can't get a men's and basketball victory this weekend. We'll talk about it, Jane Keith. Ah! Oh, you gotta be kidding me!